0: Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to my story. I appreciate your time. This production is a result of many sleepless nights, and I hope you enjoy as much as I do when I create it. To help keep this project alive, you can support us by buying some merch at our store or by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash building Evelyn. You can join at any level, and by doing so, You access true facts about the story, our chapters for your reading pleasure, full-length version of this episode, and much more. You can cancel at any time, no hard feelings. Thank you so much to those that already support us and those who are considering the near future. It means the world to me. See you there. Warning, this episode contains mature content. Parental guidance is recommended. Previously on Building Evelyn She truly thought they enjoyed spending time with her but now they were saying they didn't care about this at all. Evelyn just wanted to be alone so she ran to her favorite caju tree climbing it as fast as she could only then realizing that the rain made her grasp slippery. She slowed down and trying to be more careful but as if out of nowhere, a massive gray frog appeared on the branch in front of her. The frog frightened her and she lost her grip on the tree, falling to the ground below, landing directly on top of her arm. She couldn't move at first, but when she did, the pain told her that her arm was broken. Hello and welcome to Building Evelyn. This dramatic story is based in true events, but written with a bit of fiction showcasing Brazilian culture throughout the story. Some chapters are written by different writers, and each writer not only continues the story using real events and facts, but also puts their own twist on the previous writer's idea to keep the story moving. I am Jackie Passau, and chapter 9 was written by me. The Munyon's men had a reputation of holding on to what they had and protecting it. They were brute, alcoholic and flirtatious. The majority were married with more kids than their salaries could support. They flirted with the women around the neighborhood, spent money they didn't actually have and disrespected the women they had at home. All this must have been a secret gene passed down through generations, because they all had it. Sometimes, though, the case is that you learn to navigate life by following the examples of those around you, and if you don't have good role models, there's no way you can know any better. Mr. Jerry was just that, a man of few words and many women. Jerry was married to Miss Josie for decades. She has always been a hard working woman and when the kids were little, she worked non-stop sewing to help feed the family. Her shifts were long and she didn't even stop for lunch. Later, when the kids were a bit older, she decided to sell snacks at a brand new shoe factory that was close to the farm. She would wake up at four in the morning while everyone was still sleeping, and she would start making preparations for the recipes she would cook later that morning. Jerry didn't seem to appreciate or even notice all that she did for the family. All he expected of her was for her to take care of him and the children by feeding and cleaning up after them and to perform her wifey duties by being intimate with him whenever he was in the mood. Miss Josie would prepare enough snacks to sell to the workers of the factory on their morning and afternoon breaks with the help of her kids. She would then leave them at home and speedily walk to the shoe factory before the workers were released for their first break at 9 in the morning. She would set up a little table where she would have at least three variety of snacks on her menu. She always had fresh brewed coffee, some kind of sandwich made with fresh baked bread, a type of cake, and tapioca. The Brazilian tapioca is a common snack made from starch extracted from the cassava root. It's a type of pancake similar to beiju, but much softer since water or coconut milk is added to the flour. Depending on how much she sold, she sometimes had to go back home to replenish her cart for the afternoon crowd. When she did that, she would take Mr. Jerry's lunch to him. He worked as a mechanic not far from the shoe factory. Usually, One of her sons delivered his lunch, but Miss Josie didn't mind doing it when she had to go back to the factory. Josie, what are you doing here? Mr. Jerry was surprised to see his wife. Miss Josie had stopped walking and was standing in the middle of the shop watching Mr. Jerry. He had been eating and talking amicably to another woman who was sitting across from him. "Oh, I see you are already eating," she said. Mr. Jerry looked at the mysterious woman, hinting that she should leave. She understood his glance and got up to leave, and when she passed by Miss Josie, she looked her in her eyes, challenging her somehow if she ever dared to change the situation. When the woman was out of earshot, Miss Josie spoke. All these years, I have been nothing but good to you, even when you didn't deserve it, because that is what Saint Mary calls me to be. I am a good submissive wife, and I take good care of you, but you betray me in plain daylight. The day I married you, I made a promise to the Lord to care for you, and even still, it seems that you have found someone else to do so. I will continue to care for you, but don't expect me to ever be intimate with you again. Miss Josie left the shop and never again did she take his lunch to him when she had to go back home to replenish her snacks. She was in her mid-forties when this happened. Mr. Jerry always told his children to get one of them to bring him his lunch and when they got there and found that their father already had food from someone else, they would just go back home without saying a word. They never interrupted their father's eating. They were too embarrassed for what was happening and didn't want anyone to see it should be obvious that he needed to be a good husband, care for his children, which there were many, and help Miss Josie by being a good provider. Assuming that he did all that, when did he have time for women? They were all really busy trying to make a living and to put food on the table while being so fortunate as to not have to worry about housing since Miss Josie already had the farm from her family. Having been in her family for a long time, there were lots of fruits and veggies already established, and so Mr. Jerry thought that by working as a humble mechanic and giving her half of his salary, he was doing more than he was supposed to do. When he wasn't working, he was drinking at the bodegas and socializing with his friends from the neighborhood. This was the kind of behavior that the Munyon's men held for generations and that just happened fluidly without care. Passing bad habits was like a badge of honor. All of the sons followed in the footsteps of their fathers when they grew older. They married young, abused their women, got drunk often, and had many affairs. The violence towards Ms. Josie increased since her refusal to satisfy his sexual needs when he was home. She was beaten and raped, whether she was sick or healthy. The children grew up and witnessed her being abused by her husband, but still waking up the next day to care for him like nothing happened. This led them to believe that this behavior was acceptable. Many times she had bruises and had to go sell snacks the next day embarrassed. Years passed and all around the farm their sons started their own families and some of the girls left the farm for the same reason. Mr. Jerry also had openly shared his relationship with Maria, whom he had met at one of the bodegas he was drinking at, while he was shopping for some groceries. They met way before Miss Josie caught him with her at lunchtime long ago. She was younger and he acted like a different person when he was with her, while Miss Josie was his daily punching bag. Once Gracious was an adult, she didn't accept her father's toxic patterns. When she started paying most of the bills, Mr. Jerry walked on eggshells around her. When the renovation was complete right before her wedding, Gracious moved her father's belonging to the back porch after he almost kicked open Miss Josie's bedroom door during one of their fights. Gracious was relieved to leave her mother with Nini and Andre. She knew her sister would keep their father in line and that none of her nephews would sit still while their grandfather abused their loving grandmother. He seemed to behave when there were adults living at the house and he didn't really go over the top disrespecting Miss Josie. Evelyn heard from one of the Novena's attendees that there was a homeless old lady living on the streets and begging for food, and she asked Miss Josie if she knew anything about her. "'Where is she now?' Miss Josie asked. "'The park near the north entrance of our street.' "'Let's go there. She might be hungry, and we have leftover bread and coffee,' said Evelyn's grandmother." Evelyn walked alongside her grandmother, and they arrived at the park about 15 minutes later. They encountered the fragile old lady sitting under a shade of a tree, holding a flower, looking down, sad, as if someone had just dropped her off and told her they will never return. Hello, I am Josie. Would you like something to eat? The lady used all her strength which didn't seem to be a lot, just to slowly lift her head to look at Miss Josie. The slight movement drained her energy, and she once again gave in to the heaviness of her head and shoulders, returning her attention to the ground, saying, I'm Victoria. Something to eat? Yes, I haven't eaten in a while. Miss Josie and Evelyn sat there with the lady while she ate bread and drank coffee. They kept her company for about 30 minutes, observing the lady's immediate surroundings, where things were scary, seeming that she had been there for many days and hadn't left for even personal visits to the restroom. Miss Josie was quiet on the walk back to the farm, She was thinking how unfortunate this old lady was to have no one who would be with her, to look after her, to love her, or to care about her. Miss Josie felt an overwhelming sense of gratitude for her big family, for her granddaughter Evelyn, for everyone that was around her at the chapel, and for the farm. She was so thankful for the little they had. That night, Miss Josie couldn't fall asleep because she was thinking about Miss Victoria. She wanted to help, but she didn't know how. She woke up early the next day and walked all the way back to the park, where she found. The... Head to Patreon.com/buildingEvelyn to resume listening. Building Evelyn: Original Story, Narration, and Production by Jackie Pesau. This chapter was edited by Karen Mata. Shop in Nukella at etsy.com shop slash nukella, where you can find the cutest crochet dolls and animals. Nukella collaborated with Building Evelyn to bring the first Evelyn doll to life in crochet form. To order your custom doll, visit the site to learn more. Music by Clark James. You can listen to his amazing music on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. To learn more, visit clarkjamespiano.com or find him on Facebook or Amazon. This chapter's art is the work of Carlos da Costa. Visit cdacosta.art to view some of his previous work in oil, watercolors, or illustrations, and to contact him to open a commission. I hope you find this podcast entertaining. If you are interested in contributing a song or to write the next chapter of the story, send us a message at info at and we will consider featuring it. If you want to get in touch with us, find us on WhatsApp at 513-580-4595. For those who love to read, our chapters are now available at patreon.com slash Building Evelyn. To listen to previous chapters and not to miss the next one, subscribe on your favorite podcast player, our YouTube channel, or head over to our website, buildingevelyn.com. That is B-L-D-G-E-V-E-L-Y-N.com. And while you are there, consider clicking the donate link. That would be so nice of you.